I'm Tim Burrows from Unmade. Last month, we ran our Humane conference focused on the impact of AI on the marketing world. One session in particular was a bit of a crowd favourite. The Great Debate saw two opposing teams with backgrounds across media and marketing dispute the proposition that generative AI is not a threat to media and marketing jobs, but a much needed tool to expand what's possible at speed and low cost. I kicked off the debate by conducting a poll of the crowd to determine where they stood on that question. Let's take a listen. Let me tell you the rules of the great debate. Um, Two teams of three people each have four minutes to argue for or against the proposition. And I suspect that at this time of night, they may get extra points from you, the audience, if um, they come in short on their four minutes as well. So the proposition you can see on the screen, generative AI is not a threat to media and marketing jobs, but a much needed tool to expand what's possible at speed and low cost. So we've got team threat and I guess team not threat um when it comes um time to vote we'll ask you for your first vote in a second if you look at the back of your name badge you'll see two tiny little qr codes and i never in my life thought i'd be telling people to use qr codes at one of my events so you 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 now feel free to use the before qr code to set the balance of what you're thinking right now. So we'll get to see the direction of travel of the debate. So um, so please jump onto the before QR code and have a little go on, I think it's MailChimp or um, whichever. It's a survey monkey we're using, which makes more sense given that that's the survey tool, but there you go. Um, so have a, have a little vote on that. And then once, um, once I can see everybody's fingers have stopped moving, then we'll, we'll check in on um, that first debate and where that one is landing. Um, and in the meantime, I, I, I will tell you about our first speaker, but I won't get Cam to start straight away. So our, our, our first speaker who is arguing for team not threat, so in other words, for the affirmative motion, is Cam Price, co-founder and CEO of personalised news streaming platform Lead Story. And uh, before founding Lead Story, you might have seen Cam on such television shows as or television channels as Seven Network, Sky and Nine before crossing over to the business side. So in a moment, we'll ask um, uh, Cam from Team Not Threat, I've got to think of a better name, haven't I, to step up. But uh, let me check in. Are we, uh, are we ready to, to, to get our first balance of the votes? Let's see what we have. Maybe give me a thumbs up or a thumbs down, cat, because we can get straight to. Uh, oh, great! A wobbly hand. That really, that really helps with the stage direction. <laughs> would you? Uh, would, would you? Would, uh, and the, the the answer, by the way, is no. But would you like me to tell a joke or something, Belinda, to um, to keep us going? Um, <laughs> yeah. Look, I um, I think it would go about as well as um, the. I don't know if anyone, has anyone actually tried the asking Chat GPT to tell a joke, and um, hey, look, if we're on demonstration of something that's truly terrible, then um, then that's something it's not for. So there we go. We we do have um an answer so far. So at the moment we're quite strongly. I make that about seventy thirty if I'm reading uh reading my bar charts correctly. So yes, seventy. 70% agree with the proposition 
and just a fraction under 30% disagree. So that gives the teams a bit of an indicator on what they're going to need to do to move the bar. So um, I am now going to um, step sideways and invite Cam to open the debate. Thanks, Tim. Uh, you might have noticed me uh, from telly a few years ago. I've got a bit chubbier, a bit greyer. Uh, so that's probably why it didn't look that familiar. Look, I think, uh, yes, enormous possibilities um, for our industry. I, with a media hat on, I think about um, how we used to decide what stories we would cover um, of a morning. We'd get around a table at Martin Place um, and there'd be a, a series of press releases and, and, and wires from, from overnight and someone would say, I read that this morning so we should go and cover it. And there was no science, there was no metrics, there was no numbers to decide these are the stories that we should cover today and, and these are the stories that we should not. And um, I think in a world of enormous data sets where we know uh, down to the second what people are watching and not watching and engaging with and not engaging with, I think there are some really interesting AI models around deciding what goes into the news bulletin of an evening, what goes into the newspaper, what goes onto the website, what goes onto your threads feed, um, and, and also some really interesting opportunities around um, some, 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 some improvements and savings within the newsroom around a lot of jobs that um, you know, are, are, are sub-editing and, and, and fixing up copy that um, can go to improving the stories that we're putting to air, improving the copy that we're putting um, into the website. So, Yes, don't, don't get me wrong, I, I'm kind of on the fence in terms of um, does the quality of the content that we're putting out um, be impacted by people plugging in the story to ChatGPT and saying is this a good story or um, having things like robotic cameras out in the field of which we've got in the studio already and you keep seeing pictures of empty chairs in the newsreader sets. Um, yes, I think the quality will be impacted but um, in this brave new world of constant news feeds, we need lots and lots more content. And in a world of declining CPMs, we have fewer and fewer people in the newsroom. So I think AI helps us to do what the news industry, and that's where I'm sitting here with the media hat on, um, keep doing what we're doing in a brave new world for a bit less money. There we go. Well within the four minutes as well. So congratulations on that. And and I should of course emphasise, by the way, that um, what we're what we're really scoring our our debaters here is the quality of their arguments. I suspect as we go on, some of them might not even fully believe the argument themselves, and that's that's fine. This is a debate, and it's about their debating skills. So um, so that that's that's all that we're judging. And they're not. And and as is the tradition in debates, we're not going to be holding them to those views in the future either. Let us move along to our first speaker from Team Threat. Now, Larissa Thorne is Director of Digital and Content at Keep Left, um, a copywriter by background. And back in the day, this is my um, LinkedIn research kicking in, um, she managed the... She, 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 she was uh, in an editing role at the wonderfully named Drop Dead Gorgeous Daily. Please welcome Larissa. Um, yes, I would like to clarify that it wasn't my company. I didn't choose the name at all. 
Um, but I've actually been involved in content and technology since way back in the day when I was learning HTML code from hacking my MySpace profile in the living room computer, as many people here probably did. Um, but I don't need to tell anyone in the room that the marketing landscape is shifting. And generative AI is like a Molotov cocktail being thrown into the mix. It's this powerful and chaotic force that has the ability to leave this trail of bodies in its wake. For the sake of speed and ease, we're sacrificing human insight and creativity. And what's worse is that we're pulling the ladder up behind us and ruining opportunities for the next generation of marketers to learn through doing for themselves. Instead of training them to think creatively or to test their theories and put new ideas to the test, we're training them to craft prompts and to put their faith in AI. And what we stand to gain in the short term, we also jeopardise in the long term. In our excitement, we're walking right into a trap because without an experienced practitioner behind the wheel and able to identify those cliches and tired ideas and those moments that we need to be able to amplify what we're doing, we're going to end up with this world of boring, bland and beige content. And that's not anything anybody here wants to see. We know that AI can automate tasks and make our lives easier by doing the things that we don't want to do and that take time away from the parts we enjoy in our role. But what we're seeing and what is the threat to our industry is that temptation to use AI to create the content itself and to shortcut those elements of the job that actually do add value. We know that their tools are going to get more complex. They're going to have a more realistic view of the world and what we need to see. They're going to be pulling from more data. But creative developed using AI already has a really distinct smell. You can see it, you can identify it, and it all kind of starts to feel a little bit the same. And from a planning perspective, we're only as good as the prompt that you put into it. And so I ran a little test, and it's not the most scientific test by any means. It was only a pool of three people. Um, but I wanted to see what kind of variants we needed and what, how people thought about using AI. So I asked three strategists to go uh, gave them a very simple brief. Our client is a car brand called Loki. Ultimately, they want to see a car ad that brings to life their cheeky and adventurous brand personality. What prompt do you give ChatGPT? I didn't tell them what I wanted to see, what format I wanted them to come back with, if I wanted them to bring me content. I just asked them for a prompt. The two juniors came back with a variation of the same copywritten copy script. It even had the exact same tagline, unleash you're in a mischief, which is basically nothing. Um, but the more senior strategist actually came back to me with a series of three prompts. And this was part of her process that she, was, she would use to get to an idea or for a brief for a creative project. She wanted paradoxes, themes that would resonate with audiences, and interesting similes or cliches that she could use to take to the creative team and spark some original ideas. And that was the crux. The temptation was there for the juniors to shortcut the entire process and go straight from need to output. But the senior strategist knew that what she needed was to use the tool to get to something that would help to spark an original idea, because you cannot get an original idea from generative AI. It is, by definition, derivative. Half a minute left. <laughs> so we need to use generative AI as a challenge to make us better and to make our work better. We need to be better than AI. Very well timed. Okay, we move up to our third speaker. Uh, so the second member of Team Not Threat. You've already met him this afternoon. 
Henry Innes, co-founder and CEO of Mutinex. Um, as you know, before uh, Mutinex, Henry was from Agency Land. Henry Innes. Uh, well, I think the biggest problem with your argument, Larissa, is that it it is based on the central premise that every piece of creative and content in the world needs to be lovingly handcrafted and put out to the world beautifully and all that kind of stuff. We all know that's a load of bullshit. Um, the reality of most creative, most, uh, most content out there is it's bland, informing us of a message, it's in display ads, it's in stuff that we actually don't give a rats about and we just see in its noise. So I really take issue with this idea that actually we need to lovingly handcraft things and things like that. It's a creative fantasy that that's true. Um, I think I look at generative AI and why it's not a threat on two, two basic parameters. One is most marketing talent are doing jobs right now that they're not well suited to doing. If you ask marketing people to go and look at spreadsheets and things like that for weeks and weeks and weeks, then come up with beautiful pieces of, of communication off that, of course they're not going to be able to do that. Asking creative copywriters to sit there and hammer out but like copy after copy to fuel personalization engines, it's a load of crap to suggest that that's a good use of their time and that's going to result in a better marketing ecosystem. Generative AI means that we can free up time for people to actually think about strategic ideas, actually think about creativity. As this idea that like we're going to somehow see creativity um, disappear with LLMs and things like that, all LLMs actually do is enhance the value of creativity. Like if I've got a world where there's lots and lots of content going to the norm, the value of doing something different and original is higher. And so in a sense, when you aren't spending all this money kind of, you know, generating these retail banner campaigns and things like that, you can start spending that money on creative thinking, ideas, all of those sorts of elements. It ends up creating a more creative world, not a less creative world. So, I mean, I think at the end of this, what we see with generative AI is a, a world where we're actually using the skills to what we want them to be, where we're actually kind of you know, able to fuel these big personalization engines and content distribution engines, which are relevant to make information rele relevant to people, and a world where we're not getting creative people to do mathematical jobs. There we go. Henry, bringing a little spice to the conversation. We, uh, we, 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 we move back to this side of the panel where we now uh, meet for a second time today, Pip Bingerman, director and co-founder of Trilingual. Now you have already met Pip at the AI Upfronts. Um, and as background originally, Pip came up through the world of media agencies, arguing for team threat. Here's Pip. Cool. Um, that argument was bulletproof. If you don't believe in creativity and you believe in the long tail of performance-driven media. But we live in a world of creativity. And in fact, if you look at all the research, it suggests that the most effective work comes from two things, the size of the brand, fame, and the creativity of the work. The long tail is optimization. And sure, it plays a role and it's super, super important, but it's not what marketing's about, it's about creativity. In fact, if you guys think about the most successful marketing campaign of all time, most people say 1984. That spot ran once. It shows the power of creativity 
and it shows how valuable creativity is. Now, we're moving to a space where AI models are becoming better at humans than creativity. There was a research paper that came out, I think it was last week, out of a university of the States, which showed that ChatGPT4 is now performing in the top 1% of standardized creative tests that have been used for decades in two different dimensions. In one, the fluidity of ideas, in terms of the volume of ideas that you can create, and the originality. So if AI, in a little less than six months, which is what is referred as baby AI, is better than 99% of humans from a creative output already, you cannot deny that it is a threat to an industry which relies on creativity. The other parts that you want to start thinking about, though, is the other thing that starts happening as AI and creativity comes into the space is the perceived value of what we do is completely diminished. The reason why I love AI is because I've always had creative thoughts in my head, but I never had the skills to bring them to life. Now AI means that I can write TV scripts, I can write taglines, I can come up with creative ideas, I can do print ads, I can do executions. And the power goes to those generalists. But when work is seen as easy, it is quickly devalued. And marketing teams for the last probably 10 years have been losing power and influence at the board level <laughs> for all time. When I went to university, I learned about the four Ps of marketing. And three of those Ps have been pushed into different teams now. Marketing has been dwindled to one P. If we even think about creativity in the world, because this has happened before, technology and tools have come along that have threatened creative industries. The camera came around around the 1800s. And for thousands of years, creativity was all about getting things looking more and more real. And when the camera came along, all of a sudden you had something that snapped something in a second, and a generation of artists multi-generations of artists were destroyed. One minute. It's why the Mona Lisa was probably one of the most famous paintings ever because it got to the point of realism. But in the destruction of that, postmodernism came in, impressionism came in, uh, it was the birth of Van Gogh, Picasso, um, Keith Herring, these brilliant artists that we love now. So I think in the destruction of our industry, and maybe it should be destroyed because it has become a long tail of shit, then I think something more beautiful is actually going to come out, of, come out of it. We just don't know what it looks like now. But to deny that it's a threat is like crazy in my mind. I think you just need to lean into it, play with it, experiment, have some fun and go along with the ride. So yeah, I think you have to consider it a threat. Very much leading into the threat there. Okay, our next speaker, the final speaker for Team Not Threat, Wade Kingsley, founder of the Ideas Business. Now, as background before his current role, Wade spent much of his career in the world of uh, radio, uh, including at Southern Cross Stereo and Nova. Please welcome Wade. When I went to school, we had to stand up to debate, so I'm getting used to that. Um, first of all, can we give Kat and Tim a round of applause for getting through the day with such really interesting content? Um, can we play my video now? I'm joking, I don't have a video. I just wanted to see how they reacted. Um, 
I want you to have a look at this, the lettering on the screen there where it says humane. And underneath it says human creativity. And then it says AI. And there's a little symbol in the middle of it. It's the multiply symbol. And speaking of going back to school, I do remember a long time ago that multiplication meant to increase or cause to increase greatly in number or quality. In number or quality. Now, we know that human creativity is a limitless resource. We simply can't run out of it and it doesn't devalue over time. It continually multiplies. And I passionately believe there'll actually be more jobs in creativity because of AI, not less. But like all change, these jobs will look a little bit different and we should embrace the possibility that that difference does bring. Uh, as a creative coach and consultant, uh, I speak to professional creators every single day of my life. And the creators I speak to, both inside and outside the media and marketing industries, generally fall into three different camps. First, there's the dreamers. And the dreamers are the ones that see around corners and don't know where we're going yet, but they're excited for that journey. Second are the doubters. The doubters are the ones who feel insecure by change and with graded exposure, they gradually get used to it. It becomes less threatening and more familiar. And the third group are the doers. And the doers are people like you. People who experiment, try, fail, fuck up a little, but learn from it. And they persevere, they keep going. I posted a poll on LinkedIn the other day in preparation for today, asking this simple question. Are you curious or afraid of AI? And it ran 90% curious. There are simply more dreamers and doers than there are doubters on this. And the doubters come around eventually, they always do. Jung said, thinking is difficult. That's why most people judge. And the ones that judge now are the doubters. But these ones who think are the dreamers and the doers, and they already realise a critical truth, that if a task they do now can be replaced by a machine, then they have time to deploy their creativity elsewhere. Creators simply keep creating. It's what we know for sure. And when more time becomes available to us, we don't fall in a hole. We simply dig more holes in different places and discover more and more things. And it's how it's always worked. A leading media agency head of people and culture told me yesterday that she was using AI more and more to do the admin side of her function. So AI is subtracting time in her day so she could multiply the amount of time spent with real people. Seth Godin said this week, ask ChatGPT for 10 subtitles for your book and you'll be delighted how useful they are. But then he said, there is creativity in discernment and human discernment is an important skill in creativity. So maybe some of the low rent tasks of the industry are done by machine, who cares? The number one complaint I hear from everyone in media all the time is we don't have enough time. I've never met anyone that says I've got so much time. So we've got this tool now that can help us with the time. And people like you who want to learn and be curious will experiment. And the doers will not only keep their jobs, but guess what? They're going to create new jobs for other people. The single best part of creativity and in our industry is we make shit up. And we make shit up for a living and we enjoy doing it. So the journey of creativity is a human endeavour. Human created ideas always will change the world. So if we continue to be curious and use our emotional intelligence and use the productivity gains wisely, then AI multiplies the effects of human creativity, and all of that equals an exciting future for people like me who get out of bed every day helping people unlock their own creative potential. So I say, go forth and multiply. A perfect four minutes. Well done, Wade. Okay. 
final speaker to bring it all home is Dre Horton, co-founder of Knowing Me, which helps people gain self-awareness, but presumably not helping robots gain self-awareness, because if I've learned anything today, it's that we shouldn't be championing that. Um, And... um, Unhelpfully for people doing their research on LinkedIn at the last moment, Dre lists the previous 25 years of her career as various. Please welcome Dre. I've got this one, right? I'll just read this, though. Make yourself comfortable. I am, buddy. So in the year 1984, the late, great, non-immortal Kyle Reese uttered the words, come with me if you want to live. Now, 40 years later, the symbolism of Terminator has endured. You just ask any average punter what AI is, and they will say, it's the machines, they're taking over. Well, if we had to step back from that existential, societal scale, extinction trope, and parallel up the other side, you have what I lovingly refer to as the don't rain on my AI creative parade crew. Nothing to see, everything is okay. Now, for those of us who are actually lurking somewhere in the interstitial, there are present AI issues that inform the decisions we make. Decisions we make potentially about hiring AI workers for our workforce. And these include things like personal privacy, supercharged deception, and human usurpation. Now, you lot, you're in the business of making money. And in order to do that, marketing does a pretty decent job of reducing people to a collection of data points because surveillance advertising is a pretty profitable business model. Now, this is data that you creatively request, save, collect, sell, and sometimes lose. So you unleash products and campaigns out into the globe. You grab back uh, data from all these locations, and you do so given the fact that for the last 20 years, business and regulators have done a shit job at setting us up for data control. Now, what I will say is, why not now then pull the pin on that goddamn grenade and add a little bit of AI to the mix? So Meredith Whitaker from Signal says that the Venn diagram of AI issues and privacy issues is in fact a circle. So folks, there is a tsunami of regulation coming your way that could potentially expose your business to legal and financial risk reputational damage and the loss of customer trust. And here's the thing, us humans hate being lied to, okay? In fact, consistent pervasive deceit has significant psychological impacts on people. So let's enter AI from stage left. Now, Lena Khan, the chairwoman of the FTC, calls it supercharged deception. And this is this maelstrom of misinformation and disinformation you know, and the ability to manipulate machine learning to generate factually incorrect information about what people do and say. So in the world of marketing, this looks like conflated product usage, fake reviews, manufactured sentiment, and the creation of non-existent users themselves. Nobody should be taking fourth quarter growth hacking notes right now. Now, given the heavily tailored workforces of today, human usurpation actually extends beyond simple job replacement and in some cases having humans completing tasks assigned by IA. So what happens when IA becomes your middle management? Okay, are you heading towards supercharged disenfranchisement of employees, cheers bro, working alongside and below AI? Now, and will you potentially move from chronically online to a pathologically online supportive role? Now, there's a lot of societal pressure on you lot to manage the privacy, 
health, safety and ethical issues of AI and it is clear smashing up against the pressures, the commercial pressures you face to realise value from this raft of AI technology. I get it, right? But as leaders of companies, the challenge that you face is how to operationalise responsible AI in this absolute gold rush of times so that you are looking after your customers, you're looking after your employees and you are looking after your shareholders. So to wrap up, and crassly take lead from some of the bright minds I've mentioned today. Just cool your jets, okay? Cool your jets, take your time, and get it right. Three minutes and 58 seconds. Bang on. If there were, if there were points for timeliness. So uh, I think this is a good time to jump back onto your uh, QR code, if you haven't already. Go to the word after. I think you've, by now, cracked the code. Um, and we'll start working on that while I uh, do a couple of um, housekeeping mentions. So, most importantly, do join us for a drink um, uh, afterwards. There'll, there'll, be, there'll be drinks right outside right afterwards. So let's carry on that conversation. Um, and I do, as I say, want to say thank you very much to all of our great speakers over the day. We've had some really great speakers. Um, and I'll, um, it's always embarrassing when people come up and say nice things to me about these events because um, the, the, the stress of uh, thinking about it and organising it and um, uh, coming up with something great all sat with, uh, with Kat, whilst the organising um, sat with Belinda at the back of the room. So they're the, the real power behind the Unmade events. So thank you to both of them. Along with the wider uh, Unmade team as well, and also thank you to um, New South Wales Teachers Federation for your hospitality. Now, before we go to the vote results, Kat, have I forgotten any important housekeeping I was supposed to mention? Okay, final chance on voting. Um, I've got a big thumbs up from Belinda, so let's get that. Look at that. 50%. Well, you can't say that. You can't say any fairer of that. That was, um, that was a absolutely perfect result. So um, I think everyone's a winner, which is the, uh, the perfect way to finish the evening. Thank you so much. And that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed this session from last month's Humane Conference, and hopefully we'll see you at the next one. My thanks to Abe's Audio for the edit. Unmade's next event is Remade, our retail media conference, taking place in October. Tickets are available now. Head to remade.net.au. I'm Tim Burrows. More soon. Toodle pip. Unmade. Podcast edit by Abe's Audio.